One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that uses music to trick our guests into telling us things about themselves and their lives that they very likely would not do otherwise. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. My guest this episode is Karen Feldman. Karen grew up in the Jersey suburbs of Philly after getting her bachelor's in English from Franklin and Marshall College in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. She headed to Manhattan and the Columbia Graduate School of Journalism, where she earned her master's degree and came to the realization that Northern winter were not for her. So she headed south and got her first full-time job as a cub reporter at the news press. She went on to become a senior writer and editor in the lifestyles department, as well as the paper's pseudonymous mystery diner, whose name I've never said out loud, so this is just a guess, Jean LaBeouf. We'll get Karen to clear that up here shortly. After 28 years, she came to FGCU to create the university's magazine and has worked in university marketing for 12 years now. She lives in North Fort Myers with her husband, Jim, who's an IT pro with Lee County, and their menagerie of seven rescued dogs and six cats. She continues to review restaurants for Florida Weekly to this very day, and she's one of my longest-running opponents in Words with Friends. Hi there, Karen. How's it going? It's going well, Mike, although you beat me again in Words with Friends. <laughs> hey, you know, it all comes around eventually, so right? I guess. <laughs> I guess it does. Uh, so how'd I do with the pronunciation of uh, the mystery diner? You were close. It's Jean Leboeuf, which actually means Jean the Beef in French, and it was a name we came up with when we were trying to find something sort of amusing but sounding sort of snooty. Years and years and years ago. I think it hits snooty amazing. It, it does. <laughs> uh, how did that come about? I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I mean, obviously, that's something that for a long time, I didn't know who, I mean, I didn't know if it was a person or people or you or what. Well, it's typically a person or at one time it was two people and, and the other person that did it when I did it was Drew Sterwald, who also worked here now. Oh, okay. And now works for Florida Weekly. And we shared it. Um, but it is one person at a time, typically, and um, it, it doesn't change very regularly, although I've heard lots of theories about how we did it. But we we picked a name because we didn't want people to be able to identify us. We mm-hmm. wanted to go in as a um, just like a regular consumer. And so we just wanted something that was kind of fun and and something that sounded very upper crust. How did I do with pseudonymous? Pseudonymous, very Pseudo- close. I think I might have said a, pseudonymous in the opening enough. now that I realize. <laughs> I look back on it, I'm like, I read my pronouncer, I'm like, I think I said it wrong. Oh, well. Close um, enough. Okay, so uh, what was the musical background of your childhood up there in uh, the, the Philly part of Jersey? Well, it was certainly the Philly sound, uh, Soul Survivors, and then all the uh, soul music of the time. And, and you know, at that point um, in the 60s, we were getting – we had Petula Clark in downtown and um, the Beatles, of course, the Beatles. Um, and then I had my family. Uh, my grandfather was a very lively elder hostel attendee who loved to dance. And he'd run around with his. What uh, does that mean exactly? Well, elder, elder hostel, hostel. I guess that's el- like. Uh, uh, what do they call them now? Road warrior. Road. There's a new name for them. I think it's, it's a place called, to stay. Well, you you would go. No, those were um, those were actual trips that that uh, retirees took. Okay. And he would go places where people danced. Oh, okay. And 
he danced. And as his grandchildren, we were required to dance. And so we learned things like the alley cat and oh, so um, danced like danced. yeah, oh danced. yeah, not just like, freeform dance. Like oh, you're learning no, no, the dances. No, no, no. We we were we were required to learn the dances. Plus, we also all went to by the time we hit twelve or thirteen, it was bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah mm. time, and so you needed to know how to do those things. So we learned that. So it was all of those dances. My father played the piano. So um, I I believe I heard Mike Martin talking about singing badly as a child. Uh-huh. Well, I did that to my father, accompanying my father to his uh, piano playing at night. Um, did you ever play an instrument? I did. I started playing the piano as well when I was five. I played through high school, and um, I would say I got to be reasonably good, not fabulously good. Um, I took lessons and actually got to take lessons with one of the. Uh, professors from the Curtis School in um, Philly in my later teen years, which was wonderful for me. I'm not so much much sure it was for him, but um, we I enjoyed it. It was really fun to go in on Saturdays and take lessons on his beautiful baby grand in his sunny Spruce Street Philadelphia apartment. And uh, where, nice. uh, just real quick, where where in Jersey near Philly were you? Um, that's where Gwen's mom is from. So I'm she's from like from, Cherry Hill or right yes, next to it. I'm from Willingboro, which was actually a Levittown. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those early planned communities. But because it was Levittown, New Jersey, and Levittown, PA was across the, the river, and Levittown, New York was right up the way, the mail got crazy. <laughs> and so they changed us back to original name of the town, which was Willingboro, but it's right across the river from Philadelphia. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was uh, – was there music being played around your house, like um, on turntables or uh, yes. record players? Yes. Um, and I guess we'll be getting to some of that. My mother uh, was a Frank Sinatra fan. I, I, my upstairs bedroom had its own soundtrack, okay. uh, which would have been the Beatles. And right. later on uh, – I'll say this quietly, and I guess this is one of those things that we wouldn't say out loud out there. The monkeys. Um, hey, I was, I've already <laughs> pronounced my love of the monkeys on this show. Oh, have you? Okay, so. I missed that. Um, it was my, you know, pubescent time, and um, we uh, it was the monkeys were were my thing. Which which was your monkey? Uh, Mickey. Oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Only Mickey. Okay. So I played a lot of them, and and then you know all the Supremes and. Know, everything that was being played in the 60s and, and, and at that time. So, and Soul Survivors love, love, love that. What, uh, what was the um, 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 earliest musical memory that you can go back to? You know, in, in thinking back on this show, is there something that, you know, you may not even know that much about it, but it sticks? I remember buying my first record and thinking how cool I was. It was Petula Clark's Downtown. I, I sort of shudder now. That reminds me of Stephanie Davis because of her episode of this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are friends. So I don't know. Maybe that was something we had in common. Yes, downtown. And uh, that was the very first thing I can really remember purchasing on my own. It was a 45. I put on my record player with the little doolally that you put on the middle of the record. What did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid? Did you have like a track toward like – the world you're in mm. now? Uh, no, I wanted to be a veterinarian, oh. which when you see my house full of animals isn't all that surprising. turned out I wasn't as good in science and math as you had to be for that sort of thing. Sounds like one of those great jobs to have, mm-hmm. but a really hard job to get to. 
Yes, <laughs> didn't quite. I didn't quite have the skills for that. I had the passion, but not the not the skills. And as it turned out, as I went on in in college, and I realized that what I did a lot of was writing. Um, I also worked as a dental assistant for my father for much of my teenage years. So um, I learned a lot about working with people, and um, I think that was a time when I learned how to talk with people quite a bit and, and got people to tell me things. Mm. So I think that was good pre-training. Good practice for, yeah, mm-hmm. journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's move on to your first song. What is your um... – So my mother, as I said, was mm-hmm. um, a hardcore, lifelong uh, Frank Sinatra fan. And um, in Philadelphia, there was a is, – is a disc jockey named Sid Mark who did Friday with Frank. He still does, I believe, Sunday with Sinatra. He must be in his 80s. And every Friday night while we were doing the dishes, Friday with Frank would be on. And um, I don't ever hear – Sinatra without thinking of her. And uh, so this would be my this song I picked reminds me of her. And uh, I, I guess we'll listen to it first. And listen we'll to see it if first. I can talk about it. Okay. Okay. I can, I can tell you're, you're afraid to sidle up too close. Um, <laughs> okay. This is I'll Be Seeing You uh, by Frank Sinatra from his 1961 album, I Remember Tommy. So um, uh, what was going through your mind while you were listening to that? That seemed like that had a lot of emotional energy. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Uh, uh, my mother was uh, very special, as I guess most mothers are. Um, I was an only child. Um, actually, I was two children. My, fa- my mother had, we had a, I had a brother. Five years younger, was born with um, very extreme brain damage, so that he basically was um, a, chi- a, a a baby his whole life. He died when he was twenty one. My mother spent a good part of our lives taking care of him. He had no real function at all. So I was kind of the daughter and the son, and. Um, <clears throat> We were very, very, I would not say very close as when I was a kid, you know, as your teenager, you're kind of a rebellious creature. But after college, we became very, very close. And she really was my best friend until the day she died when she was 81 in 2012. We talked every day on the phone despite the distance between us. She lived in Philly. I lived here. What was her name? Adele. Um, I think my... Love of language and grammar came from her. She was an English teacher for a while, and she taught me uh, taught me how to use words and uh, well and properly. Um, she had a great gift for uh, love of life and food and the arts, and um, we could talk about anything, and I mean anything and everything, and we did hours on the phone together. And toward the end of her life. Um, she lost her vision, and so she couldn't read, and she couldn't go to the plays, and she couldn't read, uh, watch TV. She couldn't do all the things that she loved. Mm-hmm. So I would read to her on the phone every night, and uh, 
This was the song we used at her celebration of life. We did a uh, montage of photos of her. Right. And uh, it's one I, I listen to when I think about her. It's her song. Which is often, right. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting because I was listening to the lyrics of that. And, you know, if you listen to them through the lens of something like the story you're telling, the song is one kind of song. But right. it's also kind of a – and it, it reminds me of um, just another ep- – next week's episode actually was my good friend uh, Milton Evans is his name. And his first song, uh, and I'm going to get choked up now just talking about it, was about his dad. And the song was um, Mazzy Star. It's like this love song. Like it has, you know, it's a love song. Right. But when you put it through that lens, and to me that's just this crazy universality of storytelling Mm -hmm. that, you know, lyrics are open to interpretation and then you take and you glom onto them. and, And so now I'll be seeing you. You see your mom in all the places, you know. This one, yes, and I, I was thinking as I was listening to it this morning on the way to work and crying, I uh, was thinking about – I'm sure it was written as a love song, mm-hmm. but it fits in this case just as well. And uh, and because it was Frank Sinatra and she loved it, him so much, I think of them now riding around in a convertible somewhere out there in the sky but near the moon. Um this is going to be a strange pivot, but you live in North Fort Myers. Have you stumbled across 93.3 The Tiger yet? It's no. a low-power radio station no. that it, you can't get we it very far. We have something that nobody else does? Cool. It's, well, it's a low-power station. It's out of – it's licensed through Dunbar High School. That's why it's called The Tiger. Oh. On Sundays, they do like two or three hours of Frank Sinatra. And, really? I, and they, they they must just I be playing. A, I, well, I don't even know if it's Dunbar High doing it. I think they somehow are just using their license. Anyway, I listen to a lot of Frank Sinatra now on Sundays, which I've never done before in my life, just because they're playing it on random. It sounds like they almost have. Sounds like they have a playlist that they've literally just hit random, and then they just play songs. But you need to check it out. I definitely will. Have a little time with my mom on on Sunday nights. Exactly. Do you Good. listen? Do you listen to Frank Sinatra other than that song? I mean, is it part of your listening world, or I what do. is your listening world these my, days? My listening world is um, eclectic. Um, my husband, who's a little bit older than I am and came from Chicago, has a little more of a um, hard rock edge and um, a more jazz oriented uh, bent. So we we try to um, meet in the middle somewhere where we can and and <clears throat> he likes Led Zeppelin. You don't like Led Zeppelin. Mm, no. You said it such in such a way that I gleaned that from your. <laughs> well, I was just listening to the the Mike Martin one where he was talking about how he, how much he likes uh, Silly Dan. Yes, yay, and the Eagles. Yes, uh, no Led Zeppelin. I thought, oh, we could sit in the same room and enjoy music together, but we'd have to leave my husband home because. <laughs> how do you How do you listen to music like at home? Do you guys have a, a stereo system, or are you playing them through Bluetooth speakers? What's sort of going on? We have it everywhere. We, well, we we we. Both now have our own Alexas. Oh wow! Yes. How do you know who's talking to who? We keep them in separate rooms. <laughs> His and hers Alexas. <laughs> uh, we have our own little Bose speakers. We carry them around. We have them in our cars. We have a big. You know, we use our uh, our televisions, and we play through Directv and. Um, the radio. Uh, so you're fully engaged with we, all the ways. We have music pretty much. When I'm not listening to uh, public radio, which 
I'm, as takes if up you've probably heard my, me last week. Yeah, you know I'm kind of an addict about that. Yes. Yeah, so. um, uh, when was the last time you bought music that had a physical form? I don't remember. So it's been a long time. I buy it. Yes, I buy it through my. You've been fully iTunes. downloading iTunes, iTunes, the whole yeah. nine yards for as long as that's mm, been a thing. Mm. Um, okay, let's talk about live music. You know, taking. Um, um, Going back in time through music can happen for a lot of reasons, but sometimes a live experience can really even double it up. Oh yes. Or did you ha- do you have any of those that are time travel for you? All kinds. Um, as a uh, teenager, I was in a madrigal choir in my high school, and we sang. What is madrigal? Madrigal s- songs are old. I think they're from the 1600s. They're very old. Okay. Um, but they're also done a cappella. And um, we don't ask me why my high school had this group. I don't really know, but um, we, I really enjoyed it. But we ended up getting involved in a project with Dave Brubeck. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He had just written – this was probably early 70s. He had just written a, a, a work called The Gates of Justice. And it was uh, following the death of Martin Luther King – and um, he felt that the bonds between um, American Jews and people of color was eroding. And he wrote this very complex piece. I think you can find it. I went and Googled it and it's around. It's been done in the later 2000s um, about – it had biblical references and it was a very difficult piece. But somehow our – choir director got us involved and we performed it in Newark at some symphony hall and it was a pretty interesting because he was there he directed yeah. us and so I got to meet Dave Brubeck and that was kind of fun and I don't know that it was I probably was too young to really appreciate the stupendous experience that I was being given um, but it was it was an interesting uh, an interesting time um, I I uh, I think my first concert was Rod Stewart and Faces, and the warm-up act was Donovan, hmm. which was a poor combo. Yeah, poor that's, Donovan. that's pretty weird. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the crowd was not very welcoming to him, but I liked him, but um, it, it, was a, it was fun. Um, I've seen Steely Dan twice and really loved Have you ever concerts. traveled to see live music? What's the furthest you've ever traveled? I don't travel very – I'm not a dead like, – so I'm not like a dead So maybe drove a couple hours but uh, Yeah, like. I think I went to Sarasota to see um, Manhattan Transfer. I've gone to the East Coast to see Steely Dan. I don't go too far to, to – you're not like I don't know who I think it was Tom DeMarkey who we just mentioned who oh, like, yeah. who like flew to, who, yeah he like flew <laughs> to Paris or something right. to see a to see a band. No. Um, are there any um, um, albums that you have in your rotation that you will always listen to all the way through, no matter what? If you start them, you're just that sort of hooked on their totality. I think songs in the key of life is maybe one of them. That's. Stevie Wonder. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Love that album. Um, what else? Oh, the totality. Since you don't buy it that way anymore. I know, it's, right? Yeah, it's hard to think of those. Um, I I do like Two Against Nature. Still, we dance Two Against okay. Nature. Um, that I pre- Because oftentimes when you buy an album – 
There's usually one clunker on it that exactly. you just can't stand so exactly. that you don't yeah, do I've it that way. I've only got a couple of them that just don't have the Stop Me um, songs. What, what do you like? You know, I've got this band that I love that was around in the late 90s called um, The Refreshments. They were out oh, of yes. southern, like, Arizona, and their album Fizzy Fuzzy Big and Buzzy. I can listen to that. <laughs> I swear I've listened to that 500 times in my life, I'll and I just it love out. it all the way through every time. I'm so. always looking for new New things that I haven't heard of before. There, I, just, I just found Panic at the at the disco. So, my I daughter mean, would be so happy uh, for you. And I love them. And I never had heard them before. And somebody played one for me. And I said, wow, that's and They're great. my daughter's they, – they're one of my daughter's favorite bands right now. She's actually just got to see them in concert like a, a couple months ago with her mom. And it was like the pinnacle concert experience I, for her life. She'll be talking about it well, forever, I, I'm sure. I, I, liked, I liked them. So I'm trying to keep a little more current. I watched the Grammys just because it's harder now to find the people you like – because you don't have the ra- the radio sh- we have radio stations that would play the new thing. It's almost and- like we're drowning in choices. Right. To and where it, where do you even start? And and if you go to a place where you know you like something, you're not necessarily going to hear something new that you wouldn't. Do you use though like Pandora? Because mm-hmm. I know that'll that'll feed you up stuff new. You, you know? can and but by the time I find I, I you know I can go through three or four of those and but and say. You know, I think it's time to go back to the Steely Dan station because right. <laughs> you just get kind of frustrated trying to find something right. that you like. Okay, well, let's move on to song number two. Is that Billy Joel? Yes. Okay. This is. Uh, do you want to talk about it? Do you want to listen to it and then talk about it? Uh, yeah, let's listen to it. Okay. Uh, this is New York State of Mind by Billy Joel from his 1976 album Turnstiles. When was the last time you were back in New York? It's been a while. Way too long. A few years. I love New York. Yeah. I love it. And I loved the year I spent there. Um, I hadn't really planned to go to grad school. I discovered in college that I really loved journalism. I went to work at the college paper and then got a job at the local paper. Very important job. I got to put the egg prices – I got to collect the egg prices and um, put up the uh, weather on pieces of paper in the front window. This was high tech <laughs> back in the 70s <clears throat> in a farm town. Um, then it, gradually they let me do occasional stories and what I came to realize was if I really wanted a good job, I was going to need a journalism degree, which they didn't give in my little liberal arts college. Right. So I applied to a number of grad schools and thought – well, we'll try Columbia. What, what the heck? All they can say is no. And they said yes. <clears throat> and I, I ended up in New York City. And it was the most stimulating year of my life. Um, I, I, I would walk out of my building at my little tiny closet of a d- dorm room at 116th and Broadway every day and f- feel – just recharged by the the energy of the city. Mm-hmm. It was just the most exciting place to be. And, um, you know, I don't know that I I could do that now. Right. But at 20, 20 years old, it was 21, I was – it was just fabulous. And I learned a lot and um, I loved the city. I loved Riverside. I loved Chinatown. I loved – and I spent hours walking when I wasn't working. And I um, – I came to really love it as a place to live. And then I 
uh, that we had that terrible winter of 78 where the whole city shut down. And it was the coldest winter I can ever remember. And Gannett came calling, and Fort Myers asked me to come down. And I thought, well, darn, Florida. I hadn't really thought about Florida. But I came down, and it was warm, warm, warm. Oh! Did you come down, like, in, a, in the winter? No, no. I came down in <laughs> August. Oh, it was definitely warm. <laughs> it was so warm, and it was raining, and I, rain that I'd never, like, I'd never seen. But I, um, I thought I could do this for a couple of years and then go back. And uh, I just – the initial, uh, initial transition was a little rough. They sent me to Port Charlotte, which was n- – no, not, not, I have nothing bad to say about Port Charlotte right. now. But then – But Port Charlotte – Then a, there was no I-75. There right, was right. No, there were no – I was stunned to find there were no bagels. And there was no real Chinese food, and I, which never occurred to me. You know, when you grow up in New Jersey, yeah, every corner has a Chinese, a good Chinese restaurant. So you had grown up there, you know, near Philly, um, which is right down the way from New York. Had you gotten to go into the city as a kid? Like when Absolutely. you went away to school, it wasn't like your first time in the big Manhattan no. or anything. No, um, because my mother was such a theater um, fan. We would go up for theater, though a lot of it came to Philly first, but we would go to the city for for shows and, and dinners. And yes, I, I, I didn't know the city, but I'd been there. So this Billy Joel song, were you listening to it while you were there? Or is this just a song that reminds you of it? Or Well, it wasn't out yet. I don't think he wrote it until the... It said 71, according to my research. Really? Or 76, I... I'm sorry, 76. Well, then maybe I was. I thought it was later. Maybe the recording I got was later, but I do, you know, I re- I don't remember when I first heard it, but um, I do remember hearing it when I after I left and feeling very nostalgic right. for it. It has the lines. It has like I see you have the lyrics printed out there. Absolutely, it's definitely you know, dropping some names. <laughs> yeah, I just think I was thinking, you know, I would think about that, the energy and the culture, and and it was such a. Uh, change for me when I went went to Port Charlotte in, right. in seventy eight. From you know when I got here, the the airport was Page Field, yeah, and they yeah. rolled the stairs up to your. That's how yeah we flew in in nineteen eighty when I was a kid, and yeah. They, yeah we we walked down the the little thing at Page Field, right. and they had the big palmetto bugs on the ground. Which right. as, my, as a third grader, I thought was the coolest thing ever. Um, uh, so you moved down here. How long were you in Port Charlotte before you wound up down in Fort Myers or you – Two know, and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah. And it was a good – it was tough, but it was good because I learned beats. I mm-hmm. learned to do uh, all sorts of um, the schools and police and uh, city and how to, re- how to do budget hearings and, and news and, and, and things before I came to the main office and learned to do – to be an editor, I was I wasn't there very long before I became a city editor, and then I moved into the lifestyles department, which was really was that your choice, or was that just yes. how the, that, that was your choice? It was that was finally you'd put in the work, you, mm-hmm. you learned the parts. Now you can do something that was more resonant with you. Mm-hmm. They moved me in to become the consumer writer, and then I moved from there to food and uh, travel and um, health and, and mental health and. Pets when I could sneak them in—that was really my my thing—and then then the uh, restaurants and uh, 
I really, that was what I really loved doing. Um, I got to travel. Um, they sent me uh, to to, to China. I, I got to travel because I was the travel editor. I, I covered, um, I worked out a few deals where I could go do, um, cover uh, Korea before the World's Fair. We did a series of stories that I, I, I shared with Gannett, so they shared the expenses so that we could do some stories on Korea because people didn't really know anything about mm-hmm. Korea. So I got to travel. Um, I went to Europe one summer and, and this, talking about music, I remember the Bee Gees. It was the, mm-hmm. the summer of um, Saturday Night Fever. Oh. And everywhere I went, all you could hear was was the Bee Gees coming out of all the all of the bars and all you know it was like the soundtrack of of my European trip was was hearing all those all those songs and um, I, I, every time I hear them I think about about traveling around Europe so um, it was a music and in China um, I, I guess my my one. Experience with karaoke occurred there. We went with a group of uh, ophthalmologists to China to teach them eye techniques. And one of the doctors was from Fort Myers. Okay. So I got to go. And they threw a very nice dinner for us. And afterwards, everyone gets up and sings. I'm not a karaoke person. (laughs) But when you're... There were you part of an ensemble like Dr. Martin as his hip, or were you, <laughs> were you singing yourself? Uh, I and one of the other ophthalmologists were sort of hiding in the corner, hoping they wouldn't notice us. So we did end up to be a, a, a you a like islands in the stream or something. Uh, well, we tried to do Venus, but they didn't have the words, so we ended up doing um, Rocky Mountain High. Oh, yes. great! Yes. <laughs> so, so you so so you're not a singer. Um. I'm, Do you sing alone? I in the shower, on in the car. Okay. And I did sing with groups, but um, I don't do karaoke. I like to say I don't do karaoke in this country. Okay. <laughs> do you have any TV theme songs committed to memory? Uh, That's my new favorite random uh, question. <laughs> I probably do, and if I if I think about them, then I'll probably not get them out of my head for the rest of the week. Probably Gill- you know, Gilligan's Island. That and, seems to be the winner oh, so far of that just, question. You know, that was one that was. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an earworm. Mm-hmm. Do you um, do you leave on music for your menagerie when you leave the house? Sometimes. Yeah. Do you leave on NPR for them ever? Yes. Yes, so. they do like they they do like NPR. Some of them more than others. Can you name all your pets in under thirty seconds? Under thirty seconds. Well, you can time me. Start. Ready? Yep. Lone Star, uh, Fireball, Sassy, Sparty, uh, Sp- uh, Snoopy, um, Brutus, missing a dog, Gigi, Misty. Ten seconds. Sm- um, mm, mm, mm. Maui, Harley. G, uh, ding, ding, ding. All right. I'm missing a couple cats. Epi. Eponine. Sorry. Epi, like the pen. Eponine. No, eponine, like as in um, 
uh, Les Mis. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, sorry. That, no, that's okay. Don't that's tell a, the cats I couldn't get them all. That's okay. Um, 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 did you? Um, you know, you have that in common now with Paula Poundstone. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Um, 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 so, real quick, back to the. Um, so, you wound up as the as the mystery um, um, diner. Diner. Does music matter in that? equation when you're reviewing a restaurant? Do you ever consider yes, music? Yes. Well, music is part of the ambiance. Right. And sometimes it's so loud that you can't talk. Or maybe just inappropriate. Or inappropriate. Wrong vibe. Right. Um, I like music to be audible, but not so loud that you can't speak to the... If you can't speak to the person across the table from you, it's too loud. And um, if it's, you know, particularly in this area, you have to be careful what you're playing. I I, I often will go in places and I know that the servers have picked the music Mm -hmm. because they're 18. And you can tell. And if it's pounding in my brain while I'm trying to enjoy a nice dinner out, that's it, there are places that's appropriate, but have, has, have, has it ever made it into a review? Have yes. You ever, so, it, so okay. Oh so yes, that's totally. Thing <laughs> that um, makes it in bathrooms make it in all kinds of things that that contribute to the experience make it into the. You know, I, this actually it just sort of popped into my mind. I hadn't really thought about it in a while, but you and I have something in common, and that is back in the '90s, for about two years, I was a mystery shopper for Bob Evans restaurants. <laughs> Because my because my grandma was, and she was like, Mike, you should sign up for this. You get to eat one free meal a month. And so I would go in and just – I was part of their corporate structure or whatever. That I'd, have an, I'd have to fill out a thing and mail it mm-hmm. to them, and then they would send me a check for a rebate on my meal. And was it always the same one or did you no, go to different No, I, I would pick the different – you know, I would try different things. They would give no, me I some – No, I mean gu- the same restaurant. Oh, no. It was always the same Bob Evans restaurant. I was just in North Fort Myers there. I was oh, one right. Of their, I was one of those people. I see. <laughs> um, okay, time for your last song. What are we moving on to here? We're moving on to one that I'm. It's relatively new to me. Yeah, called... and and I didn't recognize the title, but when I pulled it up, I was like, "Oh, I know that song." I wouldn't have been able to tell you. I wouldn't even have ever heard of the band that sings it. Well, I actually, think. I have come to really like this band because there's. A, there, I had to choose between two songs that they oh, do. Well, that. Um, and I'd heard the song, and I didn't know what it was called either. And I finally heard it in a restaurant, and used my Shazam app on it. Ah, and found it. Wow, because I loved the song, but I didn't know what it was. Cool. And since I've had it, I've put it on my phone. I listen to it a lot, and it really resonates with me right now where I am in life. It's called 100 Years. Uh, So we're going to listen to it? Yes. Okay, let's hear it. This is uh, 100 Years. Uh, Five for Fighting is the band. Uh, It's from their 2004 album, The Battle for Everything. How'd you come across that song and uh, and what's it make you think about? I mean, it's 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 a pretty interesting song to think deeply about. It is. (laughs) And every time I hear it, I think about something else. It it takes me through my life. Mm -hmm. I think about being 15 and how you had the world in front of you and everything was possible and everything was so immediate and passionate and now. 
and and the, it, it talks about the different phases of your life and how things change with the decades and and how fast life passes you by um <clears throat> and now here I am at 62 yes 62 and um I've been thinking a lot about aging. I've had cancer a couple of times, and my husband is now just going through some cancer. It's going to end well, but, you know, it tends to make you think about your mortality, and I've lost friends, and I I think about what aging means. And the hardest part about it to me is the loss. Um, you know, my mom, six years ago, <clears throat> and then friends who, you know, in their 50s or one in her 30s, and then um, people who, you know, should have lived yeah. much longer. And, you know, why are there some that live to be 90 and yeah. others who live to be 50? And, and and how did I get to be 62 already when I feel like I should still be 30? Yeah. Um, and the things that you did and the things that you didn't do and um it's just one of those songs that really resonates with me in terms of what life's about and, and how you go through it and and how it just sort of whizzes by while you're what is it life's what happens while you're making plans yeah yeah well, it's interesting, too, because it's one of those songs that, I mean, I've heard that song before, and I don't know if I've ever really listened to it that closely. And it kind of sounds just like a poppy song. But if you listen to it, it really makes you it makes you reflect. You know, for me, one of the things that's interesting <clears throat> is, you know, my daughter's 13 and a half now. And I'm like, she's almost 15. Mm-hmm. And she'll be someday looking, you know what I mean? It, she'll it, be coming home on the back of that motorcycle with the tattooed guy soon. Yeah, you know, she'll probably be driving. <laughs> um but you know, and also I I've recently lost some friends too who are, who are my age in our forties, right. and it's just like it. Yeah, that's one of those songs. I think that it, the older it gets, I mean, the older you get, the more it has in it. Kind of back to what I was saying about the other song. How these songs have songs are these sort of vehicles for you know endless meaning. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you um? What was the other song from them that you? It's almost, called the riddle. Is it also like mindful like that? Yes. Or, it's yeah? about a guy who talks to someone about um, tell me about tell me the meaning of life. Hmm. I might have to check those guys uh, out I, a little more closely. Now that one, and you'll laugh when I, you tell, I tell you how I heard that one. Um, I heard it on the end of Criminal Minds. Okay. And I started hear, listening to it and I said, wow, I really like that song. And I shazammed it, and it turned out to be another. And I, I, recog- I thought I recognized. Do it. you shazam often? <laughs> I, I beg your pardon. <laughs> Isn't that a rather personal question? Um, when I hear something I like, because otherwise you never find out what it is. Well, and exactly. I love that app. Yeah, no, it's oh pretty God, fascinating it's how app. it works, right? And it's it's helped broaden my my musical horizons quite a bit. Hmm. Um. Uh. So you, what was like? You had two songs from this band. Was there another song or band that almost made it onto your list that was close? Like oh. A, like, a, like your other, like as you whittled it down. And I guess what was your process? Can you reflect a little bit on the process of how you got down to three songs? Because people have taken different approaches. It, it's hard. it was hard. Well, I started by looking through my iTunes and then I realized uh, there are a lot of songs I really like and songs that 
I, it identified with certain parts of my life. Um, I, I, I thought a lot about um, Meatloaf's Paradise by the Dashboard Light, just one I loved and really spoke to my teenage years. <laughs> just loved it. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't, there's so many. It's right. hard. Um, Under Pressure by Queen. Uh, I love Queen. It's it's a, one of my favorite. And with David Bowie, it's. Have it's you a, ever heard um, the isolated vocals on that? Yes. Isn't that something? Oh, yes. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Um, and Freddie Mercury is just such an amazing, amazing talent. Um, and another one who's passed too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I I don't know. I, I kind of agonized over this. This was hard. Three songs that meant something in your life. Yeah. It, uh, it, that's, that, it was a tough assignment, which is why it took me so long to do. <laughs> it took me two weeks. Um, are there any bands that you have discovered, um, and you can't say um, Panic at the Disco, that, you, th- the that you think maybe you know, something that you're listening to now that, that is enough off the beaten path that you would want to mention it in case somebody else would want to look into it? Um, well, I, I think they're pretty well known, although when I've talked to people about them, they, they don't know them. And they've been here, Postmodern Jukebox. Mm, I don't recognize them. Richard's got a thumbs up. Yeah, they yeah, are something. Um, um, Scott Bradley's. Scott Bradley's Postmodern, Postmodern Jukebox. Jukebox. It's, a, it's a YouTube channel where this guy recomposes uh, pop and like really, really popular songs of the 80s, 90s, all the way through today. And oh, oh I, I heard about that on NPR. That's like my whole thing here is like, and they are uh, amazing. I only know music if I, if, I, if, I have, you know. I have a, a lot of that in my car. <laughs> I do, we do too. Yeah. And um, and it's different people. It's never the same group. All the, He brings in all different people into it. Fascinating. Um, it's a, and they've been here. I will They did a terrific show here last like, year. Like here, Fort Myers? Here, like, Barbara Mann. Okay, Barbara Mann. Okay, they, that's their that's the kind of was, show they would do. It was a terrific show. Hmm. They're really something. Um, do you have a favorite band? Who? Um, Queen might be it. But nothing major. Less you said all, under pressure almost. But but Queen has always been around for you. Yes, always. I grew up. It's so funny because my brother, huge Queen fan. Owns everything they've ever done. Had to take a week off school when Freddie Mercury he died. died. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. But as a kid, I was like, oh, God, Joe, you're wearing me out with all this <laughs> singing stuff. I mean, but I wanted to be in his room because he had the computer, so we played the video games. I got a little older, and I was like, God, thank goodness, Joe, you exposed me to Queen because they are the best thing ever. I love Queen now. But as a young, ironic, you know, I was like, I wanted to listen to something else. But, yeah, Queen something. Queen's great. Are you going to see the biopic? Have you seen the previews yes, for that? Absolutely. Let's cross our fingers, right? Yeah. Um, best album of all time, or the or the one that you would want to listen to if you only had forever to and ever one. and ever. Yeah, yeah. Whew. Probably would be Queen. Any anyone in particular? Pick one. Greatest hits. Night at the Opera. That's Night my the favorite opera. one. Well, Night at the Opera wouldn't. I love, playing night at, I love playing Night at the Opera for people who think that Queen is just Bohemian Rhapsody and Under well, that's Pressure. Because there's because a couple tracks you see, on it that you're yeah. just like, whoa, okay. Well, and, and it has things on it that you, you wouldn't hear that aren't commercial. Yeah, like Seaside Rendezvous mm-hmm. and things like that. Songs. Yeah, the, the, it's a wonderful. Um, are there any songs that you will always turn off if they come up on the radio or if you have control over them? Hotel California. Oh, but you said you like you said the I Eagles. You like the Eagles, okay. but I lived near a woman who um, had an obsession in co- while I was in college, oh. and she would leave it on even when she wasn't in the house. 
this is when we had turntables that would continually repeat. Right, right. And oh that, yeah, we get to the end and it would go back oh, to the beginning. Dear, oh, I remember oh, that. <laughs> oh. And she would leave it on and leave it on and leave it. On. And I don't know. I, it it was it, she played it incessantly to the point where I, I can't hear it without. So as soon as you hear the first opening lick, mm-hmm. you're going to think of her of and you're going to be like, get me out of here. It wasn't her I minded. It was just the, the constant repetition But it will remind it. you of it her. It does remind me of her, yes. <laughs> Any other songs or bands that are – That is the uh, – that one is particularly bad. Led Zeppelin, I'm pretty much out. If my husband wants me out of the room, that's how he can he, – he huh. knows how to what get is it? Is it? Can you characterize just, what it is? It's just – it, it, I just it feel whaley. like it's an assault on my <laughs> senses. Yes, it's just banging. It bangs my – it hurts my head. <laughs> um, OK. Uh, we're pretty much out of time, but I just want to bring up one last thing. It was – you remember when I sat on that planned giving panel with you? Yes. <laughs> remember I got to me and I said, first of all, everything I've ever learned about planned giving, I learned in the last two hours. <laughs> <laughs> they asked me to sit on that panel and it was the weirdest thing. But anyway, I just wanted to reflect back on that because I really enjoyed that day. And it was well, That's when we started playing Words with that Friends. That was when we started playing it Words with Friends. It all started there. It all started there. Exactly. And that was – And you've know, been but, beating me ever since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, OK. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No, this was fun. It really was uh, – I really enjoyed it. It was great to talk about music, which I don't – do much anymore. I don't know why. I listen to it, but I don't talk about it, and I really enjoyed it. Well, thank you, and thank you for uh, bringing us back to our emotional roots because, you know, you you opened up and let your feelings out in a way that, you know, we haven't done for a few episodes, so thank you. Well, my my pleasure. Thanks. We make this show in the WGCU studios on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is our online content producer. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. And our theme music was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. This week's Parting Tune, I'm back in the winter of 2004, producing Gulf Coast Live with its first host, Ryan Warner. I was new to public radio. I'd done a summer internship the year before as an FGCU student and stuck around as a part-time reporter until we launched Gulf Coast Live with me as its first producer. To say that I was out of the loop at that point in time when it came to jazz music would be an enormous understatement. I'll just start there because that's the root of this parting tune. Ryan was all excited because he booked a guest who was big in the jazz world, apparently. He wintered on Sanibel Island and sometimes played at a restaurant out there called Ellington's, I was told by Ryan, as he asked if I could drive out there to pick him up because he was quite old and didn't drive himself anymore. I said, sure, sounds like fun. Got into my van, headed out there, got him loaded up and enjoyed the drive back and the chat we had about life and stuff. Once we got back to the station, the reception he received by not just Ryan and the radio staff, but pretty much everyone who all seemed to know who he was, made me suspect he actually was a really big deal in the world of jazz. Once the show launched and the phone lines started lighting up with callers wanting to get a chance to talk however briefly to Dave Brubeck, I decided to Google him, and well, you can imagine the rest. Let's just say I have since grown to appreciate jazz and the important role it plays in my life's soundtrack, and that our drive back to the island that day had a somewhat different flavor for me as I tried not to crash into anyone with this living legend in the van beside me. This is Take 5 by the peerless jazz great Dave Brubeck. I'm Mike Canary. Keep listening.
Next time on Three Song Stories. Hi, this is Jesse Thorne, the host of NPR's Bullseye and the proprietor of MaximumFun.org. Keep listening.